Good afternoon, everyone. All right. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to try and keep this very short. I want to speak this month about a topic that is important to you, is important to me, but far more importantly than you and me, is important to God. And the topic is on success, that you succeed in life. And what does it take to succeed in life? Would you like to know? Yeah. So whether you're still in school now, or you're out of school, you're working, or you're running a business now, or planning to start a business, whatever state you are right now in life, question is, what does it take to succeed in life? Or what does God think about my personal success? What is God's idea about all of this? We're going to start from that basis. Then we're going to start moving through the month into some very important practical principles it takes. Let me say something quickly about principles. Principles make life predictable. You can predict that in the next three years, five years, because these principles are given by God. I know I will succeed. I have no doubt. Why? I have aligned myself with certain principles. You know, every one of us have taken a flight. When you get on the plane, you relax. They tell you, okay, you know, fasten your seatbelt and all of that. The plane, the plane taxis on the runway. Because you've taken the flight several times, you are relaxed. You, it's going to take off. The pilot is not in doubt that the plane is going to take off. The pilot knows from the flight manual that because of the type of plane and the size of the plane, the wingspan and all of that, this plane will need to go this length of the runway at this speed. Once that length is covered at the right speed, the plane will lift. So when the plane is still taxing and it has not yet lifted, and it looks like the plane is coming almost to the end of the runway, the pilot is not panicking and saying, hey, somebody help me out. No, the pilot is sure. It's sure because the principles are tested and tried. So throughout this month, I'll be talking about that. Is that all right? Okay, I'll be talking to you all through this month about certain principles. And you know, it's why I'm so excited about this. It's because the earlier you know it, the better. I gave my life to Christ, I was 25 years old. So I was a young adult, like some of you here now. I was just 25. I was going to turn 26 in that particular year. But I was 25 years old when I gave my life to Christ. I didn't know these principles then. I stumbled into some of them. I didn't know them. But over the years, God has started teaching me some of those principles that I've been applying. It. I wish I knew these principles when I was your age, 25. I have no doubt where I am in life now. I'm grateful to God, very grateful to God. But I know I will have exceeded, exceeded it. Let me start first and foremost by saying this to you. That you succeed in life is God's will for you. Okay? God is not against your success. Let me start from that. God is not against your success in life. All right? Well, just in case you're looking for a topic, it's titled Principles for Successful Living. Principles for Successful Living. That's the title. That's the series. Principles for Successful Living. So I'm going to talk about one of the principles today. Okay? Principles for Successful Living. 
the foundation is that God is not against your success. I know there's some religious teaching and religious thinking that gives us this strange idea that God is against our success. Some people have thought and they have said that if you succeed, then you will be proud. And when you're proud, God resists the proud. So, because I don't want to be proud, I don't want God to resist me, so I don't want to be proud. And if I equate success with pride, it means God resists the successful. Do you understand the formula? And that is completely wrong. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. If anything, the Bible teaches the opposite. So, let's start from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. And please, pardon me. We've just concluded the 28-day fast and ministered severally all over, you know, and so on. Last week I was in Baltimore. I ministered four times in three days, you know, so I've had quite a lot on my hands to do. So I didn't put this message on PowerPoint. Sorry about that. So you, if you're one, one of those people, and there's nothing wrong in it, that you, you learn by hearing and by seeing, uh, you have to join me next week again. <laughs> it will be on PowerPoint next week. Okay, I have PowerPoint next week. So just try and flow with me. Is it okay? Yes, you forgiving me for today? Yes, All right, I'll do a better job next time. Thank you. Thank you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law, so today that's our Bible, shall not depart from your mouth. You will meditate in it day and night. You shall be observed to do according to what is written in it. In other words, the principles that emanate, the principles that come, that you distill out of the word of God, if you apply that principle, look at what it says will happen to you. It says, for then, now, that means this is going to be the outcome. The input is that you read the word of God and you apply the principles. The out guaranteed outcome is that for then, you will make your way prosperous. Then you shall have good success. All right? Okay, so note that good success. Second Chronicles 26 verse 5. Second Chronicles 26 verse 5. Look at what it says. It's talking about Uzziah, a king, that, somebody that became a king at the age of 16. At the age of 16. Maybe we should look, start from verse 1. And I'll tell you when you jump to verse 5. Start from verse 1. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was how old? Teenager, 16 years old. So it's younger than everybody here. Okay? Then look at verse 5. They make him king. Now look at what he did. He was a young, inexperienced person, but he was wise enough to know how to find out what he does not know. He was wise enough to know how to find out what he does not know. So the Bible says in verse 5 that he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding of the visions of God. Stop there. That's in those days, they didn't have a Bible. Okay? So if you want to know what God is saying, you want to move closer to God, you have to move close to either a prophet of God or a priest of God. But today, Every person that is a Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. We also have a Bible. So, of course, you have to come to church. We have to 
grow together as a community of believers. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews 10, 25. But you can read your Bible yourself and you have the Holy Spirit also. Do you understand? Okay, so anyway, he sought God. And as long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him to shalak, to prosper. Keep going, change, change it. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him to prosper. The word prosper there is the word shalak in Hebrew. And this is what it means. It means shalak in Hebrew. When somebody is traveling, you're going on a journey, you want to go. In those days, most people that go on a journey, they go for a business trip. So somebody will travel from mid-Europe. Say, for example, somebody is going from Rome and is going to, going to do some business or going from Athens or one of the cities in, um, um, you know, modern-day Turkey or modern-day Greece, you know, like Thessalonica, Philippi, all of those places. Somebody's going from there and going all the way to, in the Bible, you will see a place called Joppa. Joppa is the present day Jaffa in Israel. Okay, so somebody's going. Now, don't forget in those days there was no plane. You couldn't take a flight. So the, the mode of transportation was either a donkey, camel, and all of that. You follow? Come on, you follow? So there were a lot of bandits along the way that can kill you that want to kill you, okay, and take your goods and go do business with it. Lots of bandits. So the road was risky. If a, if a hundred people set out, maybe only five or six of them will get to the final destination. So it was very risky. So when someone is now going on a trip, the Jews will say to the person, basically in Hebrew, they will say, may God shalak your journey. Now, shalak your journey means that may God protect you as you go on this journey and may he cause your objective to be realized fully. Do you follow? May he protect you as you go and the objective you have. So if the objective is to sell a hundred um, silk materials, May God help you to fulfill that objective. If somebody is carrying only 10 silk materials, whatever the objective is, may God protect you as you go on that journey and may he see to it that your objective is realized. So I pray for you today, may God prosper your journey in Jesus' name. So I said all of that to let you know that God is very much interested in you succeeding. But for me, for me personally, when I was about to go into full-time ministry at the age of 32, I was going to turn 33 that year, but I was 32 years old when I started full-time ministry. It was a very difficult decision for me, my family. I trained as a pharmacist. I was going to leave my pharmacy profession behind forever. I was going to go into these uncharted waters. There's nobody in the denomination called the Redeemed Christian Church of God in Canada that, was, that had gone into full-time ministry as a senior pastor. Nobody. I was going to be the first one. So uncharted waters, 32 years of age. It was going to be a difficult decision. I needed God to speak to me. So I went on a prayer retreat. And God spoke to me. One of the things he spoke to me, one of the ways, one of the scriptures he used in speaking to me is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And this is what it says. Matthew 5, 16. 
It says, let your light so shine before men. That means in this world. That they may see your good works. And what that meant to me is that be so outstanding. Let your light so shine. Be so outstanding. You know, be so diverse in your success. Let men see it. I'm going to give you visible success. Then he says, and they will glorify your father in heaven. What it meant to me was that you will shine, you will have good works, God in heaven will be glorified. So God has tied his own glory to my success. In other words, because I'm mathema mathematically inclined, I put it in the mathematical formula. The degree to which I succeed is the degree to which men will glorify God concerning my life. Is this making sense to you? Yeah. If I succeed a little, men will glorify God a little. If I succeed a lot, men will glorify God a lot. Now, which one do you think God will choose? So come on, speak to me, please. You're upset with me? Did I do something wrong? What do you think God is going to choose? A lot. Of course, a lot. So if God chooses, he wants glory. A lot. Then it means he wants me to succeed. A lot. He wants you to succeed a lot. That scripture gives me tremendous confidence. All right. So I know that whether, once again, whether it's in your relationship, business or career, academic pursuit, okay, whatever area it is, I pray for you that you will succeed a lot. Also, I want you to know, failure is of the devil. If you've been writing, write that one down, please. If you've been writing, write it down so that you will always look at it and remember. Failure has nothing to do with God. Failure does not glorify God. There is not one scripture in the Bible that tells us that God takes glory from our failure. Failure does not glorify God. Failure is of the devil. The devil is a source of failure. Please understand that. The devil is a source of failure. So, so if, now, please understand. Distinguish between failing at an event and failing as a person. You must distinguish between that two. Failing at an event and failing as a person. Now, I don't know if you are interested in sports at all, but if not, well, you have to be in the next one minute because I'm going to use a sports analogy. You see, there's, let's use um, soccer. In a game of soccer, Africans will call it football, but in North America it's called soccer. In a game of soccer, you have what they call a league. A league means you can have a bunch of teams they will all play each other, play each other over a season. And in the game of soccer, for example, three points are awarded for winning a match. Three points. If there's a draw, one point apiece. If you lose the match, zero points. Okay? Now, at the end of the season, everybody will have played each other twice. At the end of the season then, whoever has the highest point is the winner. Most teams that are highly distinguished it's very difficult to go through the whole season and not lose one match. But losing one match is not equated to losing the whole season. Do you follow? Yes. 
You can have a bad day and lose in a particular. You can even lose to. You can be number one on the league table after ten matches. All right, in a league table of twenty teams, which means you play thirty-eight matches throughout the season. After ten matches, you can you can be number one, and the team that is at the bottom of the league, you can lose to them. It happens in the game of soccer. Do you agree? It happens in any sports. You can just you might have an upgrade. But people that, that are experienced understand that losing a match is not the same thing as losing the entire league. So you have to quickly distinguish between, yes, I lost a match. Or in military analogy, I lost a battle, but I've not lost the war. In other words, I failed an exam, but I've not failed in life. Are you hearing me now? I failed at an exam, but I've not failed in, I've not failed in life. You know, you know I, I, I love the testimony of people that have never had any um, mishap in their life. Everything has just gone on a straight line. It's great. I, I celebrate them. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that, that's not been my own. I wish I could say that. I, love, I wish I could stay here, stand there and say, I have never failed at anything in my life. I wish I could. But the truth is I cannot say that, truthfully. I failed at certain things. But you see, the way life works, and you have to take this from me, life works by aggregates. Somebody say aggregates. Yeah, life works like by aggregates. In other words, you might fail at an event, one thing might not work out, you might go for an interview, you love the job, you really want to work there, but it didn't work out. But in the aggregation of things, ultimately, God will make all things, aggregates, work together for your good. So, in the final analysis, when you look back, you will be giving God thanks. Even the things that you thought did not work out for you, even the things you, know, you thought did not work out for you, you will find out that there are some lessons you have learned there that you can take with you into the next phase of your life. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. There was a time as a pharmacist, in, I was living in London, England, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm telling you factual stories. I'm standing before God, so I'm not exaggerating anyway. I sent out about 35, I think it was 35 resumes, and not now, not online. This was in 1995. So online was not really, really that, you know, uh, you know uh, ubiquitous. People, many people using it. I sent out 35 resumes in one day looking for a job in the hospital as an hospital pharmacist. 35. So in those days, you have to write the resumes, type them out, print them out, sign them, I'm sorry, no resume, application letter, put your resume in, put them in an envelope, put the first class stamp, it was in London, England, put the first class stamp, seal it, go to the post office and drop it. So you see the process, 35. Only two replied me. And the two said, we regret to say that there's no space. Two, just two. So how did you react? Depression. <laughs> I was depressed. I mean, I, I, I was, I mean, this was 1995. I was 26 years old. I was depressed. I was like, God, my whole life was going on with me. I thought I'd prayed. What did I do wrong? You know, all of that. I threw some tantrums against God and all of that. Then wisdom told me that somebody that still has the capacity to help you, don't fight them. So, you know, I took tantrums, fought God, then settled it quickly with God. Anybody, anybody ever understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 I did all of that. Then, about two weeks later, I got a phone call. My, the agency, one agency called me and said, there's an opening in one of the best hospitals in England, still one of the best hospitals, Guy's Hospital. 
said there's an opening there. Would you like to, are you still looking? Do you like to enter before you? I said, yeah, I'll to enter before you. I'm still looking very, searching and looking, seeking. So anyway, they interviewed me. The guy was a young guy, English guy, just a pharmacist. He just came out of school, you know, not too long. And he was manager. He just interviewed me. He was in a hurry on the day he was interviewing me. He just interviewed me. He was so much in a hurry. He said, he just gave me some mathematical calculations, technical stuff. I did it. He asked me a few technical questions. I said, he said, you know what? I'm so much in a hurry. People, all the people I've been interviewing, they just don't even get to this stage. They don't even know what they're doing. So do you really want this job? Ah. I said, what kind of a question is this? I was saying that to myself internally. I said, yeah, I mean, yeah. He said, because if I really want to know if you do what, because I, I won't go to offer you this job. I said, yeah, 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 I'll take it. You know, I said it like I was in the spirit, but inside me I was like, yes. So, you know, before I, before I could get back home, JJ was already calling me furiously, telling me that the job is mine. When can I start? You know? So, I'll... I, I, I did not go through a tedious process to get that particular one, but I went through a tedious process at the point because some of the things we go through when we do that, it builds in us something called character. It builds character in us. So God wants you to succeed. That's the first point. That's the point you need to know. Now today I'm going to um, emphasize just one powerful principle for success. One powerful principle that every person you see in life that have succeeded, do you understand this principle? And it is actually, for me, one of the foundational principles of success. And that principle is called personal desire. Personal desire. Listen very carefully. I'm wrapping up already. Now, I'm rounding up already. Personal desire. Personal desire. You see, in life, I know some of us are here today. I know from experience. You are in school or you are out of school. But while you were in school, you took a degree course, maybe a diploma in some areas, in a field you didn't really want. But your parents really wanted you to be in that field. Is that true? Anybody? Speak to me, please. Is that true? Okay, don't put up your hand. Just answer me. Is that true? <laughs> it's okay. Your parents are not here. They're not watching. It's true. It's true. Some of us sometimes, we find in ourselves in some fields, in some areas. You know, let me say this to you. My dad is not watching. So I can say this. <laughs> he normally watches House of Praise, but not Ignite Church. So he's not watching. If, knowing what I know today, I, will, I was very good in sciences. That's why I did pharmacy. I will never go near sciences. I'm very good in it. I mean, that's why I did pharmacy. My best subjects were maths and chemistry. I always won awards for maths and chemistry. Best subjects. In pharmacy school, I did my project, my bachelor's project on pharmaceutical chemistry, and very few people do it. It is the best of the best in the class that do that because it's very tough. I did my pharmaceutical chemistry. But knowing what I know today, sciences, go and sit down somewhere. Knowing what I know today, what I would have done, what I'm wired to do is management. If knowing what I know today, I would have gone to study either business 
and come out, then do an MBA, which I finally did after pharmacy school. It was when I was in my final year in pharmacy school, and they were teaching us management, that something struck in me that, whoa, I love this. This is who I am. Every time I walk in the hospital, I just didn't like it. Hospital, by nature, is full of sick people. <laughs> Everybody in the hospital is groaning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody's nobody in the hospital. You can't see people smiling. The patient is not smiling. The families that come to visit them are not smiling. The doctors are not smiling. Everybody's faces have lost color. So I thought to myself, what kind of environment is this? I, don't get me wrong. I appreciate and I love the medical team. I worked there. I was once part of them. I love it. But I just don't like to be around pain every day. So I said to myself, when I started, when I did that my final year in the university, when I came out, I said, I'm not going to hospital pharmacy. I'm going to go into industrial pharmacy. I want to work in the management level. I want to work where people are saying, good morning. How are you? How is the day? Wow, the sun is bright. Everybody's happy. <laughs> so I, I chose that, and I had a lot of fun. My point is this. Knowing what I know today, I would never have gone into that. But I'm grateful to God that God delivered me from the Marie Clay and set my feet upon the rock. Now, if you are a scientist, you're into a scientist, you're an engineer, you're into all of those kind of stuff, I respect you, I dope my heart for you, I love you, for continuing with your desire. But I'm just talking about myself. You see, but if you are here, you're doing something you don't like, let me say this to you. You can't be outstanding in life doing something you don't like. You cannot be. You need to have a strong personal desire as the foundational principle to do something you like. Now, it's okay to do something you don't really like to earn a living. Please listen to my choice of words. I wish I had my PowerPoint, but listen to my choice of words. It's okay to do something you don't really like to earn a what? A living. But for you to make a difference, you must do something you like. And the difference between making the difference and earning a living is huge, both in terms of fulfillment and in terms of remuneration. Let me take that again. It's okay to do something you don't like just to make a living. All right? Put some money together, hustle, put some things together, doing the work you don't really like, that's not your best, but you just want to do it, you know, keep life going, that's fine. It's okay, you can do that, all right, just to make a living. But you have to, and that's why we're doing this series, quickly learn that you must transition from earning a living into start, for you to start doing what you really desire so you can make a difference. Now, when you start making a difference, that's when you have fulfillment. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 19. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. That's when you get that sweet to the soul. It's called satisfaction, fulfillment. What I do here today now, God Almighty is my witness. I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning. I am okay to do this now till 9 p.m. today, till 10 p.m., till 12 midnight without being tired. I just keep on going because I enjoy it. I don't mind paying you to come. I'm telling you, I enjoy doing what I'm doing. So nobody needs to motivate me. Nobody woke me up this morning. You know, one of my daughters, <laughs> she was doing a work, working somewhere at one time. She didn't really like the job. So I told her, I said, you know, what you got to do is that 
Pray every morning before you go, at least connect with God so that God can see you through this season before it takes you into another season. So she said, okay. She sets an alarm. So I asked her, how is it going after a week? She said, the alarm does not work. So I, I took what she said. I said, all right, get another alarm then. Then she got another alarm, set that one up too. Following week, how did it go? She said, it still does not work. I said, all this while I was thinking maybe it's a spiritual attack or something. I said, then get a third alarm. And I prayed. She got the third alarm. She said, after I prayed, she said, this thing does not work. She said, I'm still waking up late. So I said to myself, something is just wrong. So my wife and I said, you know what? Why don't you come over and spend the weekend with us? So she came. She spent the weekend with us. She brought the three alarms. It was a weekend. Remember, she's not going to work. She brought the three alarms. The three alarms happened to be phones and all of that. So suddenly, she woke up. Because it was weekend now. She said, actually, all the alarms work. So they've been ringing, but she just kept sleeping. And, and I told her, she said, but I don't understand. I said, she said, maybe it's spiritual. I said, it's not spiritual. This is what happens. When you go to bed, knowing that what you're going to wake up to tomorrow is not something you love, you will not be motivated. That's what happens. See? When you go to bed, knowing that what you're going to wake up to tomorrow is not something you love, you're not, you're not interested. You know, if you are a sports fan and there is going to be a crucial match at 6 a.m. in the morning, tomorrow morning, you tell everybody, please wake me up tomorrow. It's a match at 6 a.m. Is that not true? Everybody, you've done that before, right? You tell them, you say, stop me, something you really want to. You say, please, please, 6 a.m. tomorrow. I cannot, ah, I can't afford to miss it. And you know, when you tell people to wake you up, but by 4.35, you wake up first time. 5.15, you wake up again. 5.45, you wake up and say, I, I don't want to sleep. I don't want to fall asleep. You wake up. You watch it. It's amazing. You remember it. Why? Because you love it. So the first, the first principle for success, outstanding success, is that you must love what you do. You must have a personal desire to succeed. It is this personal desire, all right, that gives you the strength of character to go through rough times. It is the personal desire that gives you the strength of character to go through rough times. I've seen people that really have a strong desire to become medical doctors. So when people come to me today and say, Pastor, and so, oh, hi, how are you? What do you do? They say, well, you know, I just finished studying life sciences or health sciences, or I'm studying this. I say, oh, does that mean you want to? Oh, I'm studying biology and chemistry. I say, oh, does that mean you want to study medicine? Well, yes, yes, medicine, maybe, I don't know. I tell them, I say, no, 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 no. You can't succeed this way. You, if you want to do medicine, say yes. Yes. Because you need to have that strong desire because once you do your, if you say, well, I'm not sure. When you do the MCAT and it doesn't work out, or you pass the MCAT, you do the interviews, put in the application, and nobody calls you at all. You will say, well, maybe. But if you have a strong desire that I have to do it, you, know, you must know, I speak this before God. When I applied, to go to university at the age of 16. Okay, that was in my country, you can go to university at the age of 16. Okay, in that educational system. When I applied to go to university at the age of 16, I had three choices of university. The three choices, that's the way you could do it at that time, in my own time. The three choices were exactly the same. Choice of course to do, pharmacy, pharmacy, pharmacy. 
this one or nothing. I go broke. Anyway, I wasn't the one that wrote it. My father wrote it. <laughs> he really wanted me to do that. You know, he really wanted me to do that. My point here is that strong desire is critical. You've seen, you've seen in sports analogy or even in, in sports generally how one team looks like they've been defeated but they have a winning mentality. Example, Real Madrid, Champions League winners last year, last season. Winning mentality. People are beating them already. They're even in added time but they don't understand what it means to lose until the referee blows the final whistle. They have a strong desire to lift the cup. So they keep going, they keep going, they keep going, they keep going. And eventually, that's what they did. Quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final, that, because they kept going, they beat all the best teams out. Because they had a stronger desire. They were not the best team generally, but they had a stronger desire than any other team. You must have a very strong desire to succeed. Now, let's close by saying this. Why is it that people don't have very strong desires to succeed? Past failures? Frustrations, distractions, but this is the one I want to focus on and I'm going to close. Have you been blessed by this? Sometimes people don't have strong desires because of limited friends, friends that are limited. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, Proverbs 13 verse 20, a wise, he that walks with the wise shall be wise, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. People are usually not failures because they lack talent. Nobody lacks talent. Everybody is gifted and talented. You are gifted and you are talented. Everybody is gifted and talented. Of course, it's true that somebody might be expressing talent and giftings in a specific area more than you are, but be rest assured there are areas whereby you also have talent and giftings more than they are. So everybody is gifted and talented, all right? But if you have a friend who is limited in their thinking, okay, they will stop you from giving full expression to your own potential. Let me take that again. If you have a friend who is limited in their thinking, they will stop you from giving full expression to your potential. So it's very important then if you're going to have a strong desire to make sure you choose your friends carefully. You know, honestly, I wish somebody told me all of this when I was a young adult. I wish they told me when I was a young adult. No matter how prayerful or committed to God you are, your, the friends around you is the prediction of how your future will end. So if you have friends that all they just are interested in is gossip, just Instagram, just all manners of things that are not anybody's business on social media, just what, whatever pops up on their feed is their focus for the day. <laughs> you know, in Christianity, there's this program called Word for the Day. For some people, whatever shows up on their feed is their word for the day. They just flow without whatever news that is out there, flow without whatever is trending, that's what they just flow with. Eventually, they wake up 10 years, 15 years down the road, and they find out. And if those are your close friends, you've already limited yourself in life. It's going to be very difficult for you to be outstanding. 
So I'm praying for you that God will give you the wisdom to choose your friends carefully. Amen. I'm praying that God will give you the wisdom to choose your friends carefully. Amen. Also, people that have experienced setbacks, setbacks in life. Sometimes you've experienced setbacks, maybe you've written an exam or something, and you feel, or maybe you succeeded at a point and you expected to be celebrated or affirmed, and nobody affirmed or celebrated you. Reminds me of my story when I was in my first year in what we call, in the British system, we call it secondary school. Here, the equivalent is grade seven. I was 10 years old. My father told me, and that was a big deal to me then. Please don't make fun of me. My father told me, if you come first in class, for the three times consecutively, I'll buy you a rally bicycle. That was like the Rolls Royce of bicycles in those days. I was like, what? if you have a bicycle, can I level with you guys? If you have a rally bicycle in my days, the best girls will look at you. They will give you attention. It's like somebody driving a Rolls Royce. It catches your attention, doesn't it? Come on now. Does it catch your attention or not? Yeah, yeah. The boys, the best boys around school will be your friend. But everybody wants to ride a rally. So my dad told me he's going to buy it for me. Ah. First time, I left everybody behind me very far. True life story. Second time, far behind me. Third time, I gave it. When I saw that some people were trying to move close, I gave it my all. I dusted everybody. Ran home. When I saw that I came first, I gave the report to my dad. When I look at it, oh, well done, well done, well done. That's my son. I'm expecting him to tell me, rally bicycle. One week, two weeks, three weeks. I went to my mom. You know, in those days, when I was growing up in my culture, it was a bit difficult to just go talk to your dad like that for things like that. You talk to your mom in my, in my culture. So I took my mom, talk to him. My mom was the mediator. Like Jesus is the mediator between God the Father and us. You know, my mom spoke to my dad. My dad dismissed it, said you had some other things, priorities in life, and all of that. Anyway, we got close to school time, no rally bicycle. First week, second week in school, no rally bicycle. First time in my second year in secondary school, which will be grade eight now, I moved from being first in class to third in class. I got home. My dad was very upset. In me, I was saying to myself, it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. The reason why I didn't have the strong desire anymore, you know, I didn't have the strong desire. I just did, did the barest minimum. The reason why I didn't have the desire anymore was because a particular promise was not fulfilled. You are here today. Maybe that's happened to you in time past. You succeeded, you expected certain things to happen, but it didn't happen the way you expected it to happen. As a result of that, you would do, you felt, well, is it really, I don't even know if it's really worth it. Should, should is it really even worth all the sacrifice and the time? But I'm praying for you today. If you've lost your desire, strong desire, personal desire to succeed, if you've lost it for one reason or the other, that it will be restored to you in Jesus' name. Please say amen if you really believe. I'm praying that it will be restored in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you will have a very strong desire to succeed in Jesus' name. Please stand on your feet. Desire is so powerful that God respects your desires. When I was living in London as a young adult, I told you, one of the scriptures that God gave me at the time when I was going through a difficult challenge was Psalm 37, 
verse 4, Psalm 37 and verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and God will give you the desires of your heart. Plural, the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart. God Almighty himself respects your desires. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now let me say something to you very quickly. There is no human being. Please listen very carefully to me, friends. There is no human being in the world, in their own human capacity, that can please God. There's nobody. No matter what any human being will do, in their own human capacity, they can't please God. The Bible says, our righteousness, that means our self-righteousness, is as filthy rags before God. None of us, nobody, none of us can ever say that based on my natural ability, based on what I have done, God has no option but to be pleased with me. So that means we will never be able to delight God. Which means, implication, he will never be able to give us the desires of our heart. But the good news is that because God is very loving, he has made a provision. The provision he made is by substitution. So he sent his son Jesus to come on earth, live in this same world, and fully please him. That's Jesus fully pleased God the Father. So that when you and I now accept Jesus and put our trust in him, God inputs it to us that we are also fully pleasing to him. Does it make sense to us? Yeah. So he now says, well, since you put your trust in my son, that's fine. So right now, you're fully pleasing to me also. Maybe somebody's here today. Listen carefully to me. I gave my life at the age of 25. Going 26. 1995. On the 8th of June. Maybe you're here today, you're saying to yourself, you know, Pastor, I don't fully understand all of these things you've been saying. I don't understand everything. I just love generally coming to church, coming around these people. My friend brought me, or my friend spoke to me, or you're watching online. Where it all starts from is actually that relationship. Where, that's where it starts from. You see, for you to succeed in a sustainable manner, to have what the Bible describes as good success, not success that will have, you know, I'm, su I'm successful financially, but my relationships are a mess. You know, I'm successful in this particular area, but I'm just, I'm married to the fourth person now, Jennifer Lopez. Not, not that kind, but good success. Not I'm successful, but my children are all messed up. I don't even know the names to call them. I gave one a mathematical formula as the name. Elon Musk. Not I'm successful and this one, this one will surprise you. I don't even know the number of children I have, Boris, Boris Johnson, outgoing premier of the United Kingdom. Some say online he has seven, others say 12. It's unbelievable. He himself doesn't know how many he has. That's not what the Bible describes as good success. Not I'm successful and my life is cut short. But I'm successful, I live long, I see my children's children, I'm happy, I'm fulfilled, I'm healthy. It takes God to do that. You may not understand the whole concept right now, 
But it takes, it, God does not want, God is not asking you to understand everything. He's just asking you to take the first right step. That's all. Take the first right step. That's what I did on that Thursday evening, on the 8th of June, 1995, at the age of 25. So if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I want to take the first step. I want to be decisive. I want to be decisive. I want to take the first step. I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Then I want to pray for you. I want you to give me the honor of praying for you just for a few seconds. Somebody else might be here and say, you know what, Pastor? Uh, I actually said something along these lines some years ago or some months ago. But Pastor, you know, I must be honest with you. I took that one step, but I didn't really take the next steps and the next steps and the next steps after that. I took that one step and I have actually gone back. I wondered if I can be restored. Absolutely. I must say this very quickly. There is absolutely nothing you have done. No matter how far from God you might think you are, there is no sin, nothing that can, the blood of Jesus cannot take care of. The price for your forgiveness has already been paid. It only requires your acceptance and your belief. So if you're here today, online or here, you send to me, Pastor, pray for me. It's going to take a few seconds. I just want to commit my life to Christ or be restored. I want you to place one of your hands on your heart. Wherever you are, place one of your hands on your heart right now. Let me see it. Yes, yes, keep it there, please. Keep it there, please. Please, let's honor Jesus. Keep it there, please. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your confidence. That's exactly what I did, too. Just place one of your hands on your heart. Very powerful. Very good. Only people that are going forward in life are decisive. And you're doing that right now. Heaven is looking at you. You want to be restored? You want to give your life to Christ? Just do that right now. Now, Christianity and following Jesus is a private decision, which... Sorry, it's a personal decision, which is what you've done right now. You've made a personal decision. But, but I have to let you know also that there is a public dimension to that personal decision. Jesus came to John the Baptist and said, John the Baptist said, no, 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 you can, I should not be baptizing you. But Jesus said, no, I want to fulfill all righteousness. So there is a public declaration of your personal decision. So if your hand is on your heart, please don't be shy at all. This is not to embarrass anybody. This is a very important part of it. When people want to get married, they love each other. They've done engagement or, you know, you know, all of that. They've asked each other out. Then they get in front of everybody, in front of God, in front of man. And, you know, it, it will look so funny that the priest or the person coordinating the wedding is asking, do you take this man as your lawfully wedded husband? The answer should be, if I didn't take him, I wouldn't have come here with him. But you see, the reason why that is done is where there must be a public aspect of that decision has been made. If your hand is on your heart, I want to come down there and join you. Just for a few seconds. Please join me. Come forward. Come, please. Please. Come forward. Let's just say a word of prayer together. Please come. Come. Don't be shy. Just come. Even if it's only you, please come. Come. Come and join me here. Come. Come. I know there's still more. There's still many of you. Come. Come. Come and join me here. Let's pray together. Come, yes, it's the right decision. You're doing the right thing. Come. Come, you're doing the right thing. You want to be restored? You want to give your life to Christ afresh? Come over. Let's pray. If you still want to join us, you can still join us. Come, come, come. Stand from your, stand up from your feet. Come. Come and join us. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, I'm going to lead in this very short prayer, and I'd like you to say this prayer a minute with all of your heart. Stay after me. Lord Jesus, I've come to you today. I believe 
you died for me. On the third day, you rose from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Take away my sin. Give me the grace to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you. Amen. Now let me pray for you. Father, these precious ones have come to you today and said this prayer. You assist everyone that comes to you on, under the condition of the blood of Christ, accepting the work of Christ and believing with all of their heart and confessing with all of their mind, which is what they've done, that they will be saved and you will accept them. You will not cast them out. Father, please, I pray that you accept these ones in the beloved today in Jesus' name. Establish them in your kingdom. Let them never go back again in Jesus' name. The original destiny you have for them for outstanding success, Father, let it be completely, fully realized in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please look up for one second. Okay, go on, give it to me. So, we want you to scan this with your uh, phone and a, form, a link will pop up, you know, click on the link, fill it in. I want to send you a link so that we can send you some materials that will help you as you take subsequent steps in this journey. And then you can have, we can, have you get, um, can get you baptized in water by immersion also. Please try and do that today. God bless you. Oh, your dinner's already, that's very good. God bless you, welcome. God bless you. Come on, let's, church, let's give them a big round of applause. God bless you. Bless you. You can go back to your seat and do it on you, okay? As you go. God bless you. Bless you. Come on, you can do better than that, Ignite Church. Let's celebrate God. Hallelujah. All right. Is it okay to pray for somebody quickly here? How many people are here, you're saying to yourself, Pastor, maybe I used to have a strong desire, but I don't feel I have it right now. Please don't be shy. This is church. There's nothing to be shy about. You know, we're in the presence of God. There was a time when I used to, you know, in 2010, I've been pastoring then for 10 years. I felt I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't have any desire to continue. I've been pastoring for 10 years. Then I met a man of God. His name is Dr. Mensah Otebiel. I've known him for years. It's come to House of Praise at that time three times. 2010 was the fourth time he was coming to House of Praise. I was in the hotel room with him. And I told him how I was feeling. It's important you don't keep things to yourself. I told him how I was feeling. And he said something to me that was very interesting. He said, Wale, he said, the reason why you're feeling this way is that the original vision God gave you when you started 10 years ago, you have accomplished that. You need a fresh vision for the next 10 years. And that's what I did. God gave me, I went to pray and God gave me fresh vision for the next 10 years, open heavens and all of that. I pursued that. Now, recently again, God gave me another vision for the next 10 years, which I shared with the church in the month of March. You see, you're here. Maybe you've lacked some passion. You don't feel it anymore. You don't feel you have a strong desire. It looks like you're just drifting a bit. Or you've done one or two things that's not worked out and that has affected your confidence. I want to pray for you. But I will need you to take one step of faith and step out in front of me here. So if you feel that way, just step out. I want to pray for you. You've taken one or two steps and you know it just looks like it didn't work out. It's okay. It's just an event that failed. It's all right. Nobody has ever really succeeded without having one or two things, you know, in their portfolio that events that did not work out. I just want to pray for you. I feel really strongly led by the Spirit of God to pray for you today. 
Okay, you all out? All right, everybody say, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. These are your precious children that the blood of Jesus cleansed and paid the price for. Father, the way they're feeling now, most of them, I've told them my testimony. I've felt this way before. Some of them, Father, are feeling dejected. Some are even feeling rejected by their family or friends. Some are feeling unworthy. Some are feeling inadequate about their future. Some have lost passion. Some have lost motivation. Some, Heavenly Father, their best time is when they're in bed. One or two of them that are here, as I sense in my spirit. Waking up in the morning is a chore because they're not motivated to see the day. Father, you restored me. You restored many other people in scripture and in contemporary times. My prayer for them today, Father, is that your hand will be upon them. Each one of them individually. And the passion for life. Strong personal desire to succeed. You will restore it to them in Jesus' name. I pray you will infuse them today. You will infuse them in their heart with passion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever force has taken away the motivation, passion, or desire to live, today, Father, I rebuke the forces in Jesus' name. Whatever weapon has been formed against them to make them lose passion or lose the strong desire they have to succeed. Today, Father, let the weapons be rendered null and void. I pray for an impartation of spirit. This house, Lord, is a house where you have helped us to succeed in what we're doing. I pray for an impartation of spirit to give them a strong desire in the name of Jesus Christ. By the time they go to bed tonight and they wake up tomorrow morning, let them wake up with fresh hope in Jesus' name. Let them wake up with fresh faith in Jesus' name. Let them wake up with a strong desire in Jesus' name. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Somebody give God some praise in the house. Come on, give him some praise with passion in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, this is what I want you to do. And please, please, I beg you, do it, please, please. I want you to read the book of Joshua, chapters 1, all right, to 6, chapters 1 to the end of 6. So you can start tomorrow, if you want to start tonight, okay. If you want to read it and read it in another translation again, that's also okay. Just 6 chapters, one, Joshua chapter 1 to 6. If you want to read it three times before you come on Sunday, Read it in different translations. That's all okay by me. Take your notes. Whatever comes to you there, take it. I'm going to be speaking some principles from that on Sunday. Then I'll pray for you. I'll be here with you by God's grace on Sunday. Is that okay? Can we do that? Yes, all right. So I'll see you on Sunday. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.